The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, August 28th, 2023. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope you're all having a great Monday as well. And ladies and gentlemen, we have officially made it. It is Auburn football game week. That is right. Auburn football kicks off in just five days. It is the Monday before the opening game. Auburn and UMass getting ready uh, to do battle at Jordan-Hare Stadium coming up this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. And so, man, it is, it's is—it's been such a long offseason. It's been a crazy offseason. It's been a good offseason, though. Uh, something Auburn fans haven't been able to say much of in the last couple of years but man it just feels so good for it to officially be Auburn game week and having all of these days coming up to talk about the game talk about all the other games going on around college football as well because there's some really good ones going on uh, starting on Thursday all the way through Monday and so uh, excited to have the next few days to talk about that we'll preview Auburn football versus UMass uh, and I know that the fan base is just overly excited for the start of this season are we overly excited about the game against UMass itself no maybe not but just getting Auburn football back on the field back in Jordan-Hare Stadium with a new head coach a new a total administration new players all of that I mean it's just it is really really exciting for this 2023 season and so that's what this week will consist of tons of of really just tons of breaking down what this 2023 season could be for Auburn and uh, of course breaking down the matchup with the UMass Minutemen so lots on the show schedule today want to talk about it college football finally here right we had games from over the weekend that we get to talk about for week zero and some of them were not exciting some of them were a lot closer than I think they should have been and so we get to talk about that today talk about Auburn football we officially have a depth chart Hugh Freeze had his weekly uh, press conference his first official game week press conference for Auburn football we have a depth chart so we'll definitely talk about that we have that press conference to play for you here on the show today um, I got in a couple of questions for head coach Hugh Freeze one of them uh, he gave a great answer the other one uh, he uh, wasn't super excited excited about we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit as well so that's what's coming up here in hour number one then coming up in hour two we'll talk some more about the depth chart look at the schedule just get you ready throughout this week for the start of Auburn football then coming up at 3 30 Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us as well we also have a special guest coming up at 3 15 uh, to uh, come on and and promote a charity golf 
tournament coming up uh, in in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss that. That'll be in the second hour as well. But until then, phone lines are open on a Monday afternoon. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. What's on your mind here as it's officially Auburn football game week? 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Anything you want to talk about coming out of the weekend? Uh, Did you watch any of those week zero games on Saturday? Uh, Which ones caught your eye? Which ones are you looking forward to coming up this week? And of course, your excitement level for Auburn football. I want to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. 334-321-1390. Well, let's talk a little bit about what uh, Hugh Freeze had to say. I don't want to give it all away because in case you were not able to listen to it, we are going to play it coming up at 2.30. He went about 20 minutes today and answered quite a few questions and so want you to have a chance to uh, listen to that. Uh, But here's what's really interesting and what everybody wants to know. The official depth chart for Auburn football against UMass in 2023. And, you know, you look up and down this thing, There's a lot of familiar names, names that we were expecting to be in that position, right? And guys that we expected to start, but also a few surprises on here as well. And to kind of give you a little sneak peek about the questions that I was able to ask head coach Hugh Freeze today, the first one was looking at the wide receivers because that's been a position, that's been a spot where... We've had questions, right? That's been one of the biggest question marks on the offensive side of the football this offseason was who is going to be wide receiver one? Who is going to start in that wide receiver room? And who really is going to make a name for themselves? And so when we got the depth chart today over at the press conference, the guys that are highlighted, the guys that are expected to start in the wide receiver room, Jair Shorter, Omari Kelly, Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson, and Shane Hooks. Some form of rotation with those five guys. And then you have Coy Moore, Caleb Burton, Camden Brown, and Nick Martiner behind them. And so I looked at that depth chart, and I looked at the wide receivers, and I asked head coach Hugh Freeze. I said, Coach, when you look at this depth chart and you've got the receivers on here that are starting, I said, and I asked him the question, I said, Is it more that those guys separated themselves or that maybe some injury had some play into this because we know that the the wide receivers have been been banged up this fall when it comes to Camden Brown, Nick Marner, some of those other guys have dealt with it as well. And Coach Freeze said that he was not a huge guy into depth charts, said he doesn't know where we got this from. And he said about the depth chart itself, he said they're all going to play. He said they're all going to play. They're all going to have a rotation, and just because somebody runs out there to start the football game doesn't mean they're going to play the most, doesn't mean they're going to play the most significant downs, doesn't mean they're going to have the most catches or the most yards. He just said, that's just what we're looking at. And so whether whether we are supposed to buy into what the receiver looks like or the receivers look like on the depth chart for this week, whether we're supposed to truly buy into that or not, I don't know, but I do believe him in the fact that as long as everybody's healthy and good to go, they're going to play. Now, he did mention that Nick Mardner is still banged up. He may or may not go, and he named a few other guys, some pretty big names as well, but he said that everybody, there were six or seven names that he he rattled off. 
He said he would be surprised if they went. He would be surprised if they didn't go. So we'll kind of see. But Nick Marner in the receiver room was one of those guys. So keep that in mind as well. But I think it's interesting on these receivers that you have Jair Shorter or Amari Kelly, Jay Fair or Javarius Johnson, and then Shane Hooks. And Shane Hooks is the only one that is bold, doesn't have an or next to his name. Shane Hooks is going to be playing as a starting wide receiver. And that makes sense. Right, It makes sense based off of what we've heard this fall, what we saw and heard from the last fall scrimmage where he dominated, had the best day as a wide receiver. And I think one of the biggest surprises here is Camden Brown, not technically, according to this, being a starter. Now we know he has been banged up. He's practiced very little for Auburn in this fall. But Camden Brown's one of those guys that coming out of last year was one of the few highlights on the offensive side of the football for Auburn. Him and and Jarquez Hunter was pretty much what you had coming out of last year. And so I think it's still going to be a work in progress for the wide receivers and what we what we see, what the production level is, what the success level is for those guys in the wide receiver room. And you know what? We may think that, and I think Hugh Freeze thinks that as well. I think Hugh Freeze is in that same boat as where It's game one versus UMass, a team that is bottom 10 in college football statistically. They are 1-0. They are 1-0, so you got to give them that. They won their game over week zero, so we could talk about that in a little bit as well. But I still think the wide receivers are going to be a work in progress. And it's still, and I've been saying this, right? I've been saying this. It's still going to take weeks and games and time for a true wide receiver core to be built and to emerge for Auburn football you look elsewhere on this depth chart offensively Peyton Thorne is your starter at quarterback Jarquez Hunter your starter at running back with Damari Alston and Brian Battee behind him tight ends it's Rivaldo Fairweather or Luke Deal I think that's interesting Um, I think Fairweather is going to get the majority of your snaps at tight end I think he's going to get the majority of attention at tight end for Auburn uh, but nothing against Luke Deal I think he's a threat as well and if Auburn can actually use tight ends and use them effectively then they become an extra threat on the football field looking at some of the other spots how about this offensive front right how about the five guys up front for Auburn football here's how the depth chart has it okay here's how it has it Dylan Wade at left tackle Jeremiah Wright at left guard, Avery Jones at center, Cam Stutz at right guard, and Gunnar Britton at right tackle. That's been pretty consistent throughout fall. That's, it's been pretty consistent throughout fall camp. Do I think that is the lineup that you are going to see every single offensive snap of every single football game this fall? No, I don't. Because I think early on, you may see some some shifting around you may see some movement you may see some experimenting when it comes to who's playing up front on the offensive line but I think those five guys are pretty much your starters for now and I think those five guys up front can move around as well you may still have those five guys but they may be moving around themselves and so we'll see what that looks like but Again, from left to right, Dylan Wade, left tackle, Jeremiah Wright, left guard, Avery Jones at center with Connor Liu backing him up, the freshman who is very, very impressive uh, that I think is going to take over after this year and be a really good center for Auburn moving forward. Cam Stutz at right guard, really impressed by him, excited for what he can do again in his senior season. And then Gunnar Britton, the 6'6 senior as well, playing right tackle. So 
I'm impressed with what I've seen from the offensive line. Is it going to be the best unit in the SEC? No, it's not. But I do think it's top half. I think it's a top half unit in this conference. And when's the last time Auburn could say that? 2017? 2013? 2010? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think Auburn, for once in an Auburn fan's lifespan over the last 10 years, I don't think the offensive line is going to be one of those things that you come out of every single game and you're like, well, if the offensive line would have blocked and given the quarterback time or given the receivers time to get open or opened up holes for the running backs, if the offensive line would have done this or the offensive line would have done that, I have a really good feeling that that may not happen after every game. Are they going to perform their best every time? No. But I think you have guys up front Look at, look at the classes. You have two juniors and three seniors up front. And you've got most of these guys are brand new for Auburn. Not all of them, but a lot of guys are new faces. And so I, I just have a good confidence level about the offensive line. Again, they're not going to be the best unit in the conference, but they're not going to be bottom tier like they have been over the past few seasons. And with that, and that running game that we continue to hear about, we continue to hear praise about, Folks, Damari Alston is going to be a superstar in the SEC. A superstar in college football. I promise you that. I think Damari Alston has the potential and will be one of the best running backs that Auburn has ever had. I believe that. I really, really do. I'm not saying that to to get attention. I believe that. Watch him play this fall. Watch him play against UMass. Watch him play against Cal. Then watch him play against SEC-level talent. He's going to be special. He is special. He's absolutely special. And as a sophomore, I'm really, really excited about what Tamari Austin can be. So put him paired with Jarquez Hunter, plus Brian Batie, plus Sean Jackson, plus Jeremiah Cobb. You've got a lot of guys, a lot of threats, in the running back room on offense looking at the defense really quickly here we'll get to break in just a few minutes looking defensively starting at defensive end uh, Messiah Nasili Kite uh, 6'2 285 the senior playing defensive end nose tackle Jason Jones defensive tackle Marcus Harris uh, at the jack position how about this Elijah McAllister the senior transfer from Vanderbilt how about that no his stats aren't going to blow you away his stats are borderline non-existent at Vanderbilt at times but his leadership and his knowledge of the game are why he is going to be at the focal point of this defense and I expect him to have a really solid year we talked to him at SEC media days he had really good things to say you can understand why this guy is going to get his doctorate degree I mean he is unbelievable and extremely impressive and his measurements are good 6'6 271 I'm really excited about what Elijah McAllister can do for Auburn here in 2023. Looking at the other linebackers, Austin Keys, Cam Riley, we've heard great things about them, and even the guys behind them as well, right? Steven Sings, Jalen McLeod, Larry Nixon, Eugene Asante. Like, Auburn has some guys at the linebacker spot. Look at that. Those are depth pieces right there, folks. Steven Sings, Jalen McLeod, who uh, I believe – Freeze said is dealing with a little bit of an injury bug as well. Wesley Steiner, I mean, there are guys in the in the linebacker room that you would feel confident in when they come into the game and replacing the guys 
in front of them. Looking at the the guys on the back end, DJ James, no uh, no surprise there playing corner. He is uh, one of the best in the country, I think, and you're going to see that all season long in his senior season. Keontae Scott playing back there. Jalen Simpson at free safety. Zion Puckett is going to play back there. And Nehemiah Pritchett. Again, you have DJ James as a senior. You have Jalen Simpson as a senior. Zion Puckett is a, ze- a senior. Nehemiah Pritchett is a senior. That's one of the strengths on this defense is the back end, the guys defending the pass. Those are all seniors back there, plus Keontae Scott, who's a junior. So you should feel really, really good about the secondary for this Auburn defense. And we know the biggest question mark on the defense. It's been the defensive line. It's been the stop in the run game, getting some pressure, and forcing some turnovers. And so I look at guys like Jason Jones and Marcus Harris and Justin Rogers off the bench and Keldrick Falk at defensive end who isn't starting, but he's going to see a lot of time. I look at those guys to get in there and make some plays because Auburn's got to do that this year. And again, we're not going to know if the defensive line is truly struggling until we start seeing them against other teams because Auburn's run game is too good. It's ridiculously good. And Hugh Freeze talked about today how much of a strength that is and how much they're going to lean on that this fall for Auburn on the offensive side. Special teams really quickly uh, before we get to break. Alex McPherson, the freshman, he'll be doing your kicking duties. He is unbelievable, folks. He is unbelievable. He is going to be really, really special. Oscar Chapman, one of the best punters in the country. He'll be punting for you. Uh, Long snapper Reed Hughes beating out Jacob Quattlebaum, so a little bit of a surprise there. Uh, Punt returner and kick returner, all of these guys are going to see action here. Keontae Scott, Caleb Burton, Brian Batie, and Jarquez Hunter. Four explosive playmakers, four guys that can flat out outrun you, run you over, and get away in space. And so excited to see that as well. And I asked Hugh Freeze about the special teams, and he said he is very, very excited. So that's a quick look at the depth chart we got today from Auburn football. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. But when we come back, question of the day coming out of week zero. We had some interesting results over the weekend in college football But are we going to overreact to what we saw in Week 0? That's coming up. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Question of the day. Uh, Over the weekend, it was officially week zero of college football, and we had some big-name teams that were playing and some interesting results as well coming out of week zero. And I want to know from you, A, Did you watch any of the games over the weekend? Uh, Because it was opening weekend of college football, technically, and there was football on the television and on the radio. And so uh, I was keeping up with it quite a bit. And so that's what I want to know first. Did you keep up with Week Zero games? Then here's the biggest question in the question of the day. Are we going to overreact to what happened in Week Zero? Because there are a couple of games where you could absolutely overreact to what happened on Saturday. And we'll start with Notre Dame and Navy. 
All right, Notre Dame, number 13 in the country. Sam Hartman transferring from Wake Forest. Goes in, plays for Notre Dame. They're playing in Ireland, playing against Navy. Not a good team, Navy. First-year head coach. We know Notre Dame, uh, their head coach, been there two years now going into the second year. And Notre Dame wipes the floor with Navy. I mean, wipes the floor. 42-3 to in Ireland. The game was over by the second quarter. Sam Hartman, four touchdowns, 251 yards. Had a great day, did Sam Hartman. And Sam Hartman's a good player. He's a really good player. But are we going to overreact and say that Notre Dame is a legitimate threat in college football and that Sam Hartman is going to be in New York for the Heisman? Can we slow down on those things a little bit, please? Because they played Navy, okay? They looked good doing it. There were a few passes that Sam Hartman didn't look great, but they ended up being touchdowns and good throws anyway. But let's slow down a little bit on Notre Dame truly being a legitimate threat after week zero beating Navy. They are going to be decent, though, because Sam Hartman's a good quarterback. He is. And Uncle T and I were talking on Friday how Notre Dame can play spoiler to a lot of different teams and a lot of different conferences this year in college football. There was a game over the weekend, we talked about this on Friday, that Auburn fans should have been interested in, UMass and New Mexico State. How about the Minutemen of UMass, after being a touchdown underdog, considered the worst team statistically in college football, then go on the road and get a double-digit win to open up their season, 41-30 to over New Mexico State. How about that? How about that? New Mexico State... Uh, a tough place to play and Massachusetts going in there and winning 41 to 30 it was an exciting game it really was that fourth quarter was wild they scored almost 50 points in the fourth quarter of that game Massachusetts and New Mexico State and so somebody asked you freeze today how much it means for UMass to have a game under their belt have a win in the win column have a W there in the win column before coming to Jordan-Hare it absolutely helps them out It absolutely does, but let's not overreact. Massachusetts, it's still not a great football team, and Auburn's going to be just fine this weekend. A couple of other things we could overreact to. How about Vanderbilt in Hawaii? Vanderbilt, my team that's going to a bowl game this year, didn't look great to start off against Hawaii. Didn't look great. Had a couple good plays, but you let Hawaii hang around. A much-improved Hawaii team, I will say that. A much-improved Hawaii team. But Vanderbilt, you're better than that. You're better than than Hawaii. You're a lot better than Hawaii, I think. You do get the win, 35-28. And yeah, there were some weather delays, and you're playing in a stadium where the where the scoreboard's held up by a crane, and um, you know it was it was a nasty night in Nashville. But Vanderbilt gets the win. I'm not worried about them yet. They're gonna be fine. They're still gonna make a bowl game. Um, they're gonna be just fine. Here's the big one though. USC and San Jose State. USC, they win 56-28, to but you gave up 28 points to San Jose State, and this was a ball game in the second half. Are we going to overreact that Caleb Williams is not a Heisman Trophy winner? Are we going to overreact that USC is not going to make the college football playoff? I don't know. The defense was abysmal, though. It was bad for USC. I still think they're going to be competitive, and I still think they're going to make a run at it. I never had USC in the playoff to begin with. And so you open up week zero, and you let San Jose State hang around? Not a great look. I saw a lot of people, though, flipping out and reacting to 
USC not being able to hang or letting San Jose State hang around. I'm not worried about it. USC is going to be good. They're going to be fine. I still don't have them as a college football playoff team, though. I never did, and I won't. But I don't think we should overreact to any week zero results in college football. When we come back, though, we'll listen to Hugh Freeze and his press conference earlier today, his first game week press conference, wearing the orange and blue as he previews the 2023 season and the UMass Minutemen, the 1-0 UMass Minutemen, coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium. That's what's coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, we're halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Well, earlier today, uh, head coach Hugh Freeze for Auburn football had his first game week press conference previewing the Auburn football matchup versus the UMass Minutemen. It's about 20 minutes long, and in case you didn't hear it, don't you worry. We're going to play it for you just right now. We'll play it for you, and then we'll break it down as we get out of hour number one and talk about it a little bit in hour number two as well. So this is head coach Hugh Freeze earlier today in his weekly press conference previewing the UMass Minutemen. Uh, really excited that uh, game week's here. It's, um, you know, obviously a lot of work goes into getting to this point, but uh, when you finally know that this Saturday will be real, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's that time that we got to find out what the reveal party shows uh, of who we are and, you know, so this is an, it's exciting. I think our kids are ready. I think our staff's ready and, you know, excited about getting into a normal week and um, and really excited about my first experience uh, running out in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I think that's going to be phenomenal and exciting. And um, I've got more family coming than ever before, I think. And uh, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a magical experience I know in that stadium provided that we play well and that's the the pressure or the anxiousness that you feel sitting in this chair is just wanting to deliver um you know the incredible fan base we have has you know welcomed us so much and bought season tickets and we've expanded the the stadium size and it will be a capacity uh for saturday and you hear all those things and you just so badly want to uh you know to deliver and um so hopefully we'll we'll play well but no question that we're extremely excited to uh to c- kick off the uh, 23 campaign this saturday Coach, you guys spend about a thousand hours every offseason preparing for what is ultimately 40 hours of football every fall. Uh, what have you told your team about the mental preparation uh, for the game this week and how to prepare mentally for, for what they're going to face on Saturday? Well, that, that's, uh, that's something we've tried to start in stealing when we got here. Our theme since we've been here has been flip the script, and it's really about rewiring your mind of how you prepare for these uh, 12 opportunities that we're given. And 
it's it's something that has to be done daily that your 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 whatever is driving your beliefs uh, are going to drive some type of behavior and that behavior is going to create some habits and that habits will ultimately give us all our destiny and um the more of those days that we stack um, that we're doing things the right way you know, with the right attitude and with the right passion uh, then the more prepared we'll be and I think we're still ongoing in that. Um, that's still a journey, and it will be throughout this season. And uh, to this point, I think we've made progress and made strides in the right direction, and hopefully that shows on Saturday. Hey, Hugh, question. Uh, you said on Tiger Talk that your run game had been very healthy, been running well. Uh, is that a good thing about the run game, or are you concerned about the run defense? Uh, you just said it. I don't know. I honestly don't. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll find out more Saturday. Um, are we an effective um, running the football team against other opponents? Um, or has our defense made us look that good? Uh, and hopefully, um, you know, I, I, I think when you start getting into a game week and you start game planning and you figure out this is what we're going to try to do, uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be in the right spots and and play well on both sides. That's the hope. Uh, are there any players you know won't be able to go this weekend? Um, right now, I would say J.D. Rhymes questionable, uh, Nick Mardner, Jalen McLeod, um, Nehemiah Pritchett, I think, will go. Um, uh, Robbie Ashford's dealing with an oblique strain, but I think he'll go to. Um, it wouldn't shock me if, if all of those went, truthfully, but it really wouldn't shock me if, if a few didn't make it e either. But our list is pretty short, and uh, hopefully all of them will, will make progress this week and be able to go. Now that you've had, you know, these weeks of fall camp to get all of these new faces in, involved, heading into that first game, how do you now put some of that puzzle to, together of all these new pieces in, into the game itself? Well, we're going to play all those those pieces that have earned the right to for that opportunity, and then what they do with that opportunity will de determine how big of a piece of the puzzle they are. It's pretty simple. They go out there and they rush for 150 yards they're probably gonna get some more carries if you go out there and you complete a high percentage of your passes you're probably gonna get more opportunities and same thing with the, every position that will grade out i'll get the grade sunday and the guys that uh that that did it really well will continue to get those opportunities Coach, looking at the depth chart for the first time at the receiver spot with Shorter, Kelly, uh, Johnson, and Hooks, was that those guys separating themselves in the wide receiver room, or was it more on injuries that we know they dealt with this this fall? I'm going to be totally candid with you. I don't even have a depth chart, so I, I don't know where that came from. I guess that's from the SID world. I, I don't do depth charts, so um, – yeah, I just don't that, – That's it's really nonsense. Uh, I mean, you're going to play your four to five outside receivers and your two or three inside receivers in our system, and I don't care who runs out there with 
the first group or the second group. I, they freely rotate. So I don't make much of those depth charts. And um, I, I don't know who you said, but if you're talking about the outside guys, I would think you're going to see a rotation of uh, Shorter and, and Malcolm and Hooks and O and Camden Brown. I would think those would be the – the five guys that are going to get the first rotations at that spot. But I, I am in no way said that one of them was first team and one of them was second team. I just that, – that don't fly with me. doesn't work. Coach, UMass comes in. A lot of preseason polls had them dead last in FBS rank. They score 41 points out at New Mexico State. Uh, Don Brown's had a good track record over the years of being a good defensive coach. Uh, what – problems may they present and how do you guard your team over overconfidence considering that they weren't ranked very high into the year well I've played him every year the last four years and um, I saw drastic improvement last year under coach Brown um, I have great respect for him I think he's one of the best defensive play callers in the country last year their record was atrocious and they had a top 10 defense in the country so um now, I think they've added 27 transfers, most from Power 5 schools. I thought they looked quite different. Um, and New Mexico State's not an easy place to go play, and I thought they took care of the football. They didn't turn it over. They got turnovers. They capitalized on turnovers. They threw the ball effectively, which they have not done in the four years that I played them. And I think defensively, they play as hard as any team in the country. And you combine that with uh, Coach Brown's system, which is very chaotic and uh, very hard to um, identify for your offensive front at times. Uh, they will create negative plays with that. And that's, that was a big challenge for us last year when we played them up at UMass. Um, they created a lot of negative plays against us. Um, we managed to score enough points to win the game, but it was uh, – it was a challenge, and so they have our full attention. I mean, if you look at them defensively, yeah, you know, obviously Don is 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 pretty special. As a, as, I mean, he's been one of the best at Michigan and Arizona and many other places. But uh, 48 jumps off the page at you, as does one and seven. Uh, they they could play at any Power Five schools. Those guys are, are really really good. And really, again, chaotic in, in their defensive front um, when they're mixing it up with all their three down and four down. I think they're deeper than they've been and better in the secondary. And then offensively, uh, the quarterback makes a huge difference. I, don't, I won't try to pronounce his last name, but uh, number three, Taysan, I think is his first name. But uh, the running back, 15, is really, really good. And Simpson and, and – Johnson, those two transfer receivers, I think, are really talented and and explosive. So uh, we've got our hands full. I believe that it's, it will not be an easy uh, opener and uh, one that's going to challenge us. Hi, Coach. So obviously you've coached in these environments here in the SEC before, but returning to it, we always get to know, you know, the players' emotions heading into a big game in that environment. But I'm curious, from your perspective, how do you get yourself prepared for the atmosphere? And do you take a moment and kind of soak that in, especially now making this return? You know, I really haven't thought about that a lot. Uh, um, you know, I soak in every game 
pretty much, you know, I mean, we've we've played in even at Liberty, we played in SEC arenas, and um, those are always fun to play in. And I embrace those opportunities. Uh, I think the the most exciting thing with me would just be taking in what I consider to be one of the best home atmospheres in college football. And I don't know that I've had that. No offense to any other places that I've been, but I just don't I don't think I've ever been at a place that uh, that has the, quite the uh, enthusiasm and passion and energy that I think Jordan Hare is going to have. And so I will take a moment to take that in. Oh, I, I can try another one. Tell me what your favorite thing is about what Peyton's done during this, this camp from the first day until today, just what you really liked from him. Uh, his attention to every little thing, you know, it just, he's got an advantage that he, he he's in grad school and he, and he has a lot of time. And so it's important to him and he's constantly studying. And I sure hope that translates into his decision making come Saturday now that we're not just running stuff against the defense that we don't really know what they're doing. Now you honestly get the game plan and say, now Peyton, I would expect you to see this and and get it right. And, and he takes great pride in that. So I think it's um, that's probably been the most impressive thing is just he, he wants to have the, the, the mental part of the game plan totally down. When we talked to Cadillac earlier this month, he was talking about how he thought that this was the deepest running back room he's had uh, since he's been here. Just how much do you like leaning on the fact that you've got multiple guys, not just maybe one or two, that, that, can, that can give you all good carries? Well, the facts are if you're able to run the ball, you can shorten the game. And I think that may be advantageous to us this year. And so are we good enough in the O-line, tight ends, and running back room to do that? in a league that has tremendous defensive linemen. I don't know yet, but I do think that our running back room is very solid top to bottom, and we're going to lean on them heavily. Second row. Obviously, you know, the first thing is a win, but what are some of the other type of things that you're looking for on Saturday that you'd really like to see? Well, you would like to, even though it's game one, you would like for it to be clean, that uh, we're not – having pre-snap penalties or um, turning the ball over, um, any foolish penalties. Um, and you'd like to see them play with great passion. So those would be the things that, you know, obviously you want to win the game and you want to look good. But um, that's always a fear I guess you have of you're not quite sure how a new team that we've you know, piecemealed together ever since we've been here. And now they're fixing to get out there in front of 88,000 and a loud crowd. And, you know, how will we handle all of our emotions? And does it cause us to have a foolish penalty here or there? Things like that you can't do and win games. And so just hope it's a clean game for us. Hugh, obviously, you know, go back to UMass, them playing in week zero, you guys already having some tape. Do you think that's maybe a significant advantage? Is that maybe something that's not super important? I guess, how do you feel now with having some tape on them and them not having any on you guys? It, it definitely helped to uh, – they're, they're quite different on offense than they've been in the past. So defensively, it's the same that I've faced. But uh, offensively, they're quite different. And um, you kind of wish you had even a more of a sample size. But 
it's, it's, it's no question that with everything I saw them do with their motions and shifts and their RPOs, and uh, you know that they have more to do with that than just what they showed. And so I think they've, they're, they're very similar to us, truthfully, now. And there's, there's a lot of options. And uh, this quarterback, you've got to be aware of him, um, both running and passing. So it's, it was quite different. So I think it was helpful. You, uh, what have you seen from Amari Kelly in this camp? And, and how much has he maybe progressed even since the spring? Uh, love his energy. Love the way he practices. Love the juice he brings to the, to the field. Uh, just getting him, not just him, the biggest struggle with the receivers is getting them to play with the same tempo on every single route and every single play. They don't know when it's coming to them half the time, and we take too many plays off. Uh, I think we've gotten him better, better with that, and we need to see continued improvement, but real curious to see how we do in the game. But O has improved uh, each week. On special teams, how much of a weapon is that going to be with McPherson kicking the ball and then the senior Chapman punting the ball? How much of a weapon for you against UMass and then for 2023 will the special teams be? Well, I, I don't want to – I'm more excited about that than, than I have been in the, ever before coaching probably. I, I think we got two special guys there. And I hope I don't jinx them. Or, but uh, to this point, I have been incredibly pleased with, uh, with both of them. And I think they're weapons that uh, are going to be very, very huge for us. Coach, you said this spring that you felt like um, the development of the offense that you and Philip Montgomery were coming up with, nobody knowing what it was, was a significant advantage. You know, what can fans expect in terms of offensive identity this season and in, in how Auburn is going to run the football and pass the football? Well, I'm never going to change what I believe in, and, and I believe you have to be a threat to run the football. Um, but I also believe that a throw off of a run is a run. And so, you know, I, I may come in here after a game and you guys say, man, coach, you only rushed for 90 yards, but you threw for 400. You know, to me, I want to know what the average per carry was if that makes sense, uh, because you don't know it, but probably 15 of those passes were runs, and but the defense had an extra hat. And so I don't think that's real smart football um, to, to constantly run into an extra guy in the box. And so to me, those are kind of rushing yards. So I think you've got to – but you have to, you have to be a threat to run the ball. You can't be one-dimensional, so you have to stay balanced. And – Balance doesn't always show on the stat sheet to me, but it does when I go and look and say, all right, these 10 runs we, you know, we threw for 100 yards on them. Um, then I know, but I really want to know what that average per carry was when we did hand it off because it usually tells me we're making the right decision and we're handing it into good boxes. And if we're constantly making a wrong decision and handing it into a bad box, that, that average is probably going to go down. Uh, yes, you. Uh, Griffin speaks, local kid, Baylor transfer. What have you seen from him allow him to be in the rotation, potentially at safety and special teams? I think he's got a shot to be in the rotation this Saturday. And what happens from that point on, I know he's on some special teams. 
And uh, I think he'll get a shot to get some reps uh, as a backup safety too, and we'll see how he performs. Uh, in the right spot at the right time, knows the system, gets the checks. Um, you know, so I think, you know, wish he were a little bigger and faster, but, uh, but he's going to be in the right spot and he's not afraid of contact. And um, so I think he, he can get everybody on the right page back there. Particularly if you're playing all those young ones around him. You've mentioned him a few times already, but Don Brown's had this legendary career on defense. Like, what makes him such – and his defense is so good since you faced him, you know, several yeah. times now. Yeah, he gave me fits last year, you know, and I've watched that that game a lot of times. And, and we scored 42 points, but it felt like it was 12, you know. I mean, it just – it was hard. Um, but he, he mixes it up between even and odd, and then when he gets in his odd, he's going to have these spinner backs, and you never know where they are. And it's just hard to identify for your old line exactly, you know, what what the combinations need to go to in the run game and in the pass pro. And so we've got a lot of studying more to do today to to make sure we're as good. But he there's going to be some negative plays. There, there's uh, it is it's, it, the whole deal is trying to confuse the old line, and um, and they're effective with that. We just got to make sure that they're effective with that at a small percentage. Hugh, going back to Peyton, I guess how do you maybe simplify is not the right word, but when you have a first game with a new quarterback, how do you sort of, you know, maybe ease him into that while still keep making sure you guys have a dynamic passing game? Yeah, you know, you would like to. I've, I've always felt like I would like to start a few games with some simple completions for him. Um, this is a little harder to do because of their trap coverage. You're, you're a little nervous to to work too much quick game right off the bat because they'll they'll. I mean, they did a beautiful job and they run it a little different than a lot of people. But the, in their trap coverage, they had a pick six the other night. They got three turnovers, which resulted in 21 points. Uh, one was a pick six off of that trap coverage, and uh, he, he really did a nice job of deceiving the quarterback. So you got to be careful. What I would like to do is throw a quick hitch or two every now and then, but they don't really give you that opportunity. So Peyton's going to have to take what they give and, and throw the passes and complete the ones that, uh, that work against this scheme. So that was the presser today for head coach Hugh Freeze, his first game week presser for Auburn football. We'll take a quick break, come back, have a really quick segment, but then talk about that coming up in hour number two. Stay tuned here on ESPN 106.7. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390. All right, so hour number one wrapping up here on ESPN 1067. I know it's a very quick segment. It's about to kick me out of here again, but that was Hugh Freeze's press conference from earlier today. We'll talk about it coming up in hour number two and how he doesn't believe in depth charts right now for Auburn football. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. We'll talk about what he had to say, plus preview the Auburn and UMass game. And coming up in hour number two as well, we'll have uh, we'll have a special guest join us previewing a charity golf tournament, plus Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us coming up in hour number two as well don't go anywhere hour number two on the monday edition of on the line coming up
The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, August 28th, 2023, as we get underway here in hour number two during On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Well, uh, the weather looked like it was going to get a little nasty here in Auburn, Opelika, but maybe it's moving out of the way a little bit, uh, and maybe it won't actually hit us. But again, hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Hour number one is in the books. If you missed any of the first hour of the show, be sure to uh, go and catch up later on with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Um It'll be uploaded commercial-free right after the show today, so be sure you go and catch up with that. We talked about Auburn football a little bit. We ran down the newest uh, depth chart that we received today at Hugh Freeze's press conference, uh, and basically take it with a grain of salt is what Hugh Freeze told us earlier today, and I believe him. It's game one. It's week one. Uh, You never know what changes are going to be made between now and Saturday and uh, from game one to game two and beyond. And so uh, we took a look at the depth chart according to what it looks like right now. Plus, we played you the Hugh Freeze presser today, uh, his first one in game week for Auburn football as they preview and get ready for the 1-0 and UMass Minutemen. So that was in the first hour. Here's what's coming up here in hour number two. Want to talk some more Auburn football, get you ready for uh, the week ahead because uh, we're getting ready and closer to the first game of the season. It's officially game week. It's time to be excited. It's time to be ready for Auburn football as the Tigers kick off against the Minutemen of UMass 2.30 on Saturday over at Jordan-Hare Stadium. You may not be excited about the kickoff time, uh, but you can be excited about the game itself. And so excited just to see this team get on the field. It's talking season's over, folks. It is finally time to talk about actual games and so we did that a little bit in the first hour as well talking about some of those week zero matchups and why we should not overreact to what happens in week zero so um, again we're going to talk some Auburn here in this second hour plus coming up at 315 uh, Brian Snyder is going to call in and talk about an upcoming charity golf tournament that you really need to know about it's for a really great cause uh, so excited to uh, to talk to him for a few minutes and get some uh, get some information about this golf tournament coming up on September 11th and so uh, be sure you're tuned in for that really excited to uh, to have him joining the show that'll be at 315 then Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us at 330 on the phone 
phone lines, as he does every single Monday, to talk about uh, what Hugh Freeze had to say today and his thoughts and preview of Auburn versus UMass coming up in just five days. But until then, phone lines are open. Give me a call. I want to hear from you on a Monday afternoon, 334-321-1390. Your thoughts going into the first game week of the season. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you uh, worried about a particular group or a particular player? Or is there something that you're looking for in this game this weekend? Because it is Auburn versus UMass, and so um, Auburn should not have any problem with UMass, but they are 1-0, and they did get a win in Week 0, so you never know what kind of... uh, kind of positivity and momentum they may be bringing in to Jordan-Hare Stadium. So give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I mentioned in that first hour we played the Hugh Freeze press conference. He had that today at 11 o'clock over at the uh, Football Performance Center. And uh, he talked about some interesting things. We asked him some questions. I asked him about the wide receivers and the particular names that are uh, in bold on the depth chart and in, in basically telling us these are the guys that are going to start. And he gave an interesting answer talking about how just because that's where they are right now doesn't mean that they're the only ones that are going to play. Doesn't mean they're the ones you should highlight. Doesn't mean that the rotation is going to be limited. He said everybody's going to play at that spot and so um, the wide receivers still a position of question for Auburn I think coming into 2023 and I think he gave that answer I said this before I think he gave that answer because I think he's truly trying to figure out who is who's going to be his guys I think he's still trying to figure out who his go-to wide receivers are and who the number one and number two and number three guys are the options for Peyton Thorne at the starting quarterback spot so Sure. I mean, it's fine. I get it. I get the fact that maybe he's confused on on where the depth chart came from because I don't think he truly knows who's going to be playing wide receiver more often than not for this football team. But some of the other things, uh, when you look at this depth chart quickly before we go into some more things that Hugh Freeze talked about today, your guys up front offensively, Dylan Wade at left tackle, Jeremiah Wright at left guard, Avery Jones at center, Cam Stutz at right guard, and Gunnar Britton at right tackle. That is fairly consistent from what we saw this fall. Uh, that is not a overly exciting change or an overly exciting announcement. That is uh, pretty, pretty standard for what we saw. I will say on the receiver front, Shane Hooks, he is named as a starter on here. We know what he has brought excitement-wise to the wide receiver room. We know he had a great uh, second scrimmage uh, a few Saturdays ago at Jordan-Hare Stadium. We know that he has been pretty much the most popular name out of Hugh Freeze's mouth when it comes to the wide receiver room. And so watch out for Shane Hook, 6'4", 191 pounds. Excited to see what he could do. Um, some injuries uh, for this football team right now. Nick Mardner, one of those guys in the receiver room. A couple of other guys as well. Uh, Hugh Freeze kind of put it on a coin flip for most of them, saying if they go, great. If not, okay. Like he, He's kind of waiting to see what that's going to look like. But some things that Freeze talked about in his press conference today was just getting this team ready, right? Getting them ready for game one of the season. He gave a ton of respect to UMass and their head coach in the defensive mindset that UMass and their head coach have. He gave a ton of respect. 
and he said he has played them, and it's true. He has played UMass in the last four seasons as a head football coach. He played them multiple times at Liberty. And he said he said UMass gave them all they wanted last year when he was at Liberty. I mean, he, he talked about how UMass is a really solid team. He said they're really well coached. He said their defensive scheme is unique in college football. He said they're one of the best. He did make this point. I thought it was interesting. He said while their record last year was, quote, abysmal he said their defense was ranked top 10 in all of college football that's pretty impressive I don't know how you have a top 10 defense and can't win football games I guess because your offense doesn't really score but to still have a top rated defense in all of the country and bringing a lot of those guys back that's a thing that can really help a team like UMass stay in a football game on Saturday against Auburn and Jordan-Hare Stadium, an Auburn team that is yet to take the field in anything meaningful this year. So think about that. I mean, I'm not saying that Auburn's going to struggle because Auburn's running game, he talked about that again today, the running game is elite. Elite is the word I'm using, and I mean that with every ounce of my body. The running game is elite for Auburn football, and they're going to use that a lot this year. You see Auburn struggling? They're going to run the football. Start of the game, Auburn's going to run the football. Late in the fourth quarter, Auburn's going to run the football. That's going to help them against UMass this this Saturday to get them off the, basically get them off the ground, right? We're not worried. Nobody, nobody is worried about Auburn not being able to beat UMass. That's not the issue here. And that's not what we're going to talk about throughout this week. The issue coming into Saturday is the fact that you have a football team that was already an underdog in Week 0 against New Mexico State. They get a double-digit win, and they're coming on the road with a game of experience under their belt, playing a brand-new-looking Auburn team with a brand-new head coach, a brand-new coaching staff, and about a half of a roster full of new players. Again, Auburn's not losing on Saturday, but Auburn's got to figure some things out. Because you go on the road to Cal next week, which a lot of people have said, and I don't agree with it, but a lot of people have said it's the most important game on Auburn's schedule. I don't think it's the most important. It's up there. Don't get me wrong. It's up there. And it's a game that you have to win. But Auburn has to figure some things out in week one. How can you avoid coming out flat in week one? How can you avoid not playing down to your opponent's in week one how can you come out and play and get better in week one against a team like UMass those are the questions that are going to have to be answered some of these position battles over the next few weeks those are the things that have to be answered here in week number one and you're playing against a team that Hugh Freeze is familiar with in UMass but again it's just a whole new squad for Auburn a whole new squad And I don't know how much of game prep for Cal you'll see this week, but I think if you're Auburn, you got to focus on UMass because it's week one and crazy things happen in college football sometimes. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines. And Dan, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, Jacob. Hey, man. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, definitely up. I'm actually glad that UMass looked better, you know, because obviously it'll get our guys' attention, you know, mm-hmm. 
I mean, everyone's talking about how they're not any good, but I, I watched most of that game and I, I thought they looked pretty good. I mean, you know, maybe they're not full of stars across the board, but they looked like a, a solid team. Yeah, they they know, looked better than thinking. they looked better than people gave them credit for, Dan. There's no doubt about that. But I, I just want this game. You know, obviously, we want to win, and, and I hope we win. You know, by a decent amount, but I think it's better go a little bit so that way we can actually get practice and find our weaknesses. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you, and I think that I think for Auburn against a UMass team, I think it's good that they looked better this weekend than people gave them credit for. I think it's also a, a good chance. Look, statistically, Dan, you're still playing a bottom ten college football program, so it's a great way to start for Auburn to get out of the gate to find out who you are and maybe build a little bit of confidence before you go on the road to Cal. Yeah, I feel like if it was a glorified scrimmage, then we wouldn't get much out of it, and then our first, you know, real team, you know, would be Cal, mm-hmm. and so. I think the tougher this game is, the more we have to kind of figure ourselves out and and adjust. I think that would would definitely help us more over the you know the long season. So right, no, exactly. And, and look, I've said this too. Imagine if Auburn had to play a team like Texas in week two. Wouldn't you be scared to death? Uh, oh yeah. Now I'd, <laughs> there's a lot of teams I'd be, mm-hmm. be a lot more nervous about, but uh, you know, I, I think we have all the pieces in place. It's just how we do it, gel and you know, how quickly it all comes together. but Right, uh, right. You know, but hopefully hopefully this game we can get something out of it so we can keep improving each week. Yep, that's right. Hey, that's so, what it's about. That's what the great teams do is get better every week, Dan. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate appreciate it. the call, Dan. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll go ahead and take an early break because we have a special guest joining us when we come back talking about a charity golf tournament coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. All right, let's get to the phone lines as we have a couple of special guests here on the show today. Uh, We're joined by uh, Josh and Brian, who are joining us on the phones to talk about uh, the William Beekner Jr. Memorial Golf event coming up on September 11th. Uh, Brian from Troy Bank and Trust, and uh, we also have Josh from the Auburn Firefighters Association. Gentlemen, good afternoon. It's great to hear from you both. Hey, Jacob. Great to hear from you guys. And, uh, well, I know you guys wanted to come on and talk about uh, talk about this golf tournament a little bit. Uh, again, the William Bigner Jr. Memorial Golf Event. And just for our listeners that maybe don't know what this golf tournament is and what it's about, can you explain to our listeners what, what all that is? Sure, sure. This is Josh from the Auburn Firefighters Association. Okay. Uh, back in 2019, uh, after the uh, – uh, line of duty death of uh, Officer William Bigner. Uh, some uh, off-duty firefighters and police officers got together, uh, wanted to do something special to remember Will and uh, all the sacrifices that he gave to his community and the mm-hmm. sacrifices that law enforcement and public safety people in, in general give on a daily basis to the community. Uh, so we came together and we uh, decided to start a golf tournament, which uh, which we did in 19, and uh, this will be our fifth year. 
Well, that's awesome. So going on five years now of the golf tournament, and I, I feel like a lot of times when you when you start something and you continue it year after year after year, are you seeing the growth and the exposure of this golf tournament just continue to grow And now that you're going into year number five? Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, every year it's gotten bigger. Uh, last year we, we maximized uh, every playable spot on the golf course that the course would allow us to have. Um, this year our goal is to uh, uh, reach uh, 20 teams per flight, and we got two flights going this year. Okay. Um, every every year our sponsorship, uh, our whole sponsorship and our local community reach out to us and want to help out. Um, this year in particular, uh, Brian uh, reached out to us uh, from Troy Bank and Trust and uh, wanted to do some corporate-type sponsoring, which is the first ever that we've done so far. So uh, as more people learn about Will and what happened to him, the more people uh, want to participate. And uh, and just like uh, Brian uh, has done for us, he, he reached out, and they wanted to participate and become a partner with us in, in the event. Well, Brian, I believe we have you on hold as well. Brian from Troy Bank and Trust. Uh, what what was your reasoning for uh, wanting to be a part of this uh, of this tournament of this organization for you and for Troy Bank and Trust? Well, we had we had been uh, for the last three years hosting a bank uh, a golf event, and uh, got to meet Josh through a mutual friend and fire uh, member of the Auburn Fire Department, and uh, we just got to discussing the. You know, the whole nature of the tournament, the, the benefit for it, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, they're raising scholarship money for the children of first responders in Lee County, and that's first responders that work in Lee County or that are, live in Lee County and maybe work in an, an adjacent county. And, you know, if you know the story of what happened with Will Bigner, that, uh, you know, it, it was a real easy decision for us as a corporate uh, citizen here in Auburn. Uh, in Lee County to uh, to make that decision to get on board and take our you know what was what was more of a just a bank focused customer focused event and, and partner with the Auburn Firefighters Association and you know put put some meaning and some cause to what we were doing. And so, what is it that you and Troy Bank and Trust are are doing and providing, and how are how are you involved with this tournament that's going to be happening well, on Monday, September? 11th? We're actually uh, our our corporate sponsorship uh, will allow uh, the Auburn Firefighters Association and, and those that are raising the scholarship money. Uh, we're you know we're going to cover some costs, I guess, so that they're maximizing their return from participants. Got you. Okay. Uh, okay. We're making, a, we're making a corporate contribution as the as the title sponsor for the event to offset uh, offset the cost that they they would have to pay for the expenses to, to host the event. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, that, certainly that, that's certainly awesome. not on as grand a scale as, as event, golf events you see on television. Right? <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the way it works. <laughs> well, that's... Corporate, sponsors, corporate sponsors help pick up the tab so that the, uh, the, the charity or the foundation that's benefiting from the golf event... Uh, Makes more profit, for lack of a better term. Yeah, well, well, look, I think that's that's fantastic that that Troy Bank and Trust decided to do that. I mean, it's obviously didn't have to, and it's something that seems uh, for a great cause, a great organization, and what seems to be a great event, the uh, William Beekner Jr. Memorial Golf Event, coming up on its fifth year. Uh, gentlemen, this will be happening on Monday, September 11th. Uh, can you tell everybody where it's going to be happening, how they can sign up, and how they can be involved? Absolutely. Uh, so the event's going to be September 11th. Uh, we got a morning flight and an afternoon flight, and it's going to be held at the Auburn University Club here in Auburn. 
anybody that's willing or wanting to get information on either uh, putting together a team in the tournament uh, or uh, becoming, uh, uh, you know, maybe sponsoring a hole, which a lot of local businesses are doing, uh, they can reach out to us uh, via email at auburnfirefightersassociation at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. And so, uh, again, we're talking with Brian from Troy Bank and Trust and Josh from uh, the uh, Fire Department Association about this golf tournament coming up uh, in just a few weeks. They're joining us here on ESPN 106.7. Gentlemen, I got to ask, what kind of contest we got going on? We got a hole-in-one sponsorship going on, maybe a longest drive, closest to the pin. What's going on in this golf tournament on Monday, September 11th? Well, we've got the longest drive for each flight, and we've got the uh, closest to the 10 for each flight. Okay. Uh, we'll have uh, some awards or some gifts to give away to the first place and second place teams for each flight. And uh, that's, that's what we got right now. We've got a lot of uh, raffle uh, prizes and gifts that local businesses have uh, donated to us for the tournament. So we'll be uh, giving some stuff away as well. And something I have to ask every time I play in a tournament like this, is there a limit on the amount of mulligans somebody can buy? Because some of us may not be as good at the game of golf as others. Unfortunately, unfortunately we got to limit it, limit it, uh, limit it uh, those to four per team. Oh, man. Well, see, in the, I thought this was a pay-to-win league, man. What's going on? Uh, yeah. Uh, we, have, we have to have rules, so that's what, that's what the <laughs> golfing committee came up with. Hey, I totally understand. Well, gentlemen, uh, I appreciate your time. You're, you guys are involved in what's such, such a great event and great organization. Again, plug it all, Josh, one more time. Let everybody know where they can find it. And then, uh, Brian, if you have anything else you'd like to add on the Troy Bank and Trust side of things, please just, just plug everything. Absolutely. Uh, again, September 11th, Monday, September 11th at the Auburn University Club. Uh, if you're looking to put in, uh, want to put in a team, we have a a limited amount of spots left for, for teams to sign up at. Um, and uh, if you want to be a whole sponsor, again, we'll reach out to you for that, too. We can get some information to you. Uh, but uh, all the information, Auburn Firefighters Association at gmail.com, and it's all spelled out. Excellent. And then, and then, just to echo what Josh said, yep. uh, Jacob, and uh, if you're a uh, you know corporate citizen listening in and you're not interested in playing, uh, find out about being a whole sponsor. Um, and uh, just, uh, you know, like I said, the effort that they're putting into this to provide scholarships for children or first responders, it's a very worthy cause. You better believe it. Well, that's a fantastic event, fantastic cause, and, and I know they are very thankful for Troy Bank and Trust, and we are just excited to have the opportunity to talk to you two gentlemen. Guys, thank you so much for, for coming on and plugging everything, and uh, good luck on September 11th. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks, Ron. So that is, again, uh, the William Beekner Jr. Memorial Golf Event coming up on Monday, September 11th. The money and the funds go to uh, support and provide scholarships for kids of, uh, of kids of first responders. And, I mean, how, how cool is that? I mean, that's just a, such a neat and unique thing um, for, for kids to be able to benefit from that. And, and look, Gotta love a golf tournament, right? So if you're interested, go uh, find them, figure them out, and uh, find all of their information and uh, be a part of that. Whether you want to be in the tournament itself or whether you want to be a whole sponsor or donate, I'm sure they'd love to have some some more raffles and stuff. Hate to hear you got a limit on mulligans, but I understand you got to keep got to keep things clean sometimes. But again, big thank you to those guys at Troy Bank and Trust for being uh, the corporate sponsor for that event, and Brian joining us, and Josh as well joining us here on the Monday edition 
of On the Line. So big, big thank you to those guys. Go and check them out and the information. Again, coming up on Monday, September 11th at Auburn University Club. So uh, go check it out. It's a great cause. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Coming up in just a few minutes, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us as he does every single Monday here on the show, talking Auburn football, officially game week for the Tigers. As We'll get to talk with Jacob Hillman about that, his thoughts on the game against UMass coming up in just five days, plus plug and Tiger Talk on Thursday and the first broadcast of the Auburn football season with the Auburn Sports Network. And reminder, you can find that over on Wings 94.3, the new home for Auburn University football in the Auburn Opelika area. So excited that we get to do that as well. We'll talk about that, plus what Hugh Freeze had to say and what Jacob Hillman's most excited for in the 2023 season for Auburn football. That's what's coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. After that, if you want to call in to uh, finish out the hour, we'd love to hear from you. But again, Jacob Hillman joins us every Monday at 3.30. We will talk to him in just a few minutes. Brian, Josh, again, thank you so much for joining the show and and plugging the William Beekner Jr. Memorial Golf event coming up on Monday, September 11th. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Uh, We are working on getting Jacob Hillman on the phone line, so when we do, we will get to him uh, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. But until then, I want to just continue talking Auburn football, college football as a whole because uh, you look at you look at what week one represents in college football and look it's exciting that it's back right it's exciting that we finally have legitimate games look we have games to talk about recap from the weekend we did that a little bit in the first hour Uh, we also now finally have tons of sec power five college football games to talk about coming up in week number one and so there's so many questions so many storylines going into the year right can Georgia three-peat right can they actually three-peat in college football what is it going to look like in the final year of the Pac-12 before it just implodes on itself Um, what does the new look Big 12 look like in the final year of Texas and Oklahoma versus the four teams that are joining the conference right Cincinnati BYU UCF Houston I mean what does that mega conference look like for this final one off year in that conference can Michigan continue to intrude and build a true winning Uh, I guess, a winning streak against Ohio State this year if they win their third in a row and the game being played in Ann Arbor this year. So keep that in mind. Can the ACC produce somebody other than Clemson to push for a college football playoff? I think they can. Those are some of the biggest storylines in college football. But when you look past those, I think Auburn is a huge story in college football. 
I think a team like Cincinnati, who's going to the Big 12, is a huge storyline in college football. I've said it multiple times. I think the Pac-12 could be one of the best conferences in the game. I really do. I think the Pac-12 could be that good in college football this year. But I also think that they're going to eat themselves alive. And by the end of it, you won't have anybody represented in the college football playoff. Later on in the week, uh, I will give my season predictions, conference predictions, records, all that type of stuff later on in the week. I'm thinking maybe... Uh, maybe Thursday, Thursday or Friday. I think it'll be a good day to do that. And so uh, we have college football games on Thursday. Remember, Florida and Utah kick off on Thursday. So keep that in mind. And with the questionable, I guess the questioning of Cam Rising, whether he's going to play or not, has a lot of people picking Florida to win that football game. I just don't know about that. But again, college football, and, and we said this on Friday, right? When Uncle T was here for On the Line Fridays, brought to you by Sensegreen. This is a very unique year in college football. It's a very unique year because it's the last year of what we have come to know and love. So many things are changing. The athletes aren't changing. They're only getting better. There's some big-name coaches in some big-name places, right? Look at what Hugh Freeze could do at Auburn. Look at what Luke Fickle could do at Wisconsin, leaving from Cincinnati to go there. I mean, there's some big-time names at big-time places, There are programs like Texas who are just trying to get, quote, back, and they've been trying to do it for the last 10 years, and they can't do it, right? Can a team from the Big Ten other than Ohio State and Michigan push for a college football playoff? I don't know, but that's what's so exciting. That's what makes a start to a new college football season so intriguing to me because there's so many storylines, there's so many directions, and there's so many things to keep your eye on. And to keep this sort of SEC-centric here, you look at teams in this conference and the teams that have to have a good year, the coaches that have to have a good year, and just the, the programs that have to have a good year. I look at Florida. Florida has to have a good year under year two with Billy Napier. I don't think they will because, again, I ranked the SEC schedules And I think they have the hardest one in the conference by far. By far, Florida has the hardest schedule. But I think they have a rough year this year. But they need a good one. They need a good season. I just don't think they will. You look at other teams. What about Arkansas? Arkansas is an interesting storyline in this conference this year. They're a team that under Sam Pittman, they've built some excitement, but they've also had some setbacks but they still have one of the best quarterbacks in all the SEC. So what can Arkansas do this season? And you look at their schedule, they're still playing in this final crazy year of the SEC West, and their schedule isn't terrible. It's not bad, but it's not great. We know Arkansas plays one of the toughest schedules in all of college football every single year. You're at number five LSU. You welcome in number 23 Texas A&M. You're on the road at Ole Miss, and you're on the road at Alabama. Oh, yeah, those are all in a row, by the way. Three out of your four games this year, or out of a four-game stretch, three out of four on the road against top 25 SEC teams. That's brutal. Then you go on the road to Florida after a game against Mississippi State, who, by the way, we're going to talk about Mississippi State in just a second. You go on the road to Florida, 
it's still a tough game whether they're good or not. You get Auburn at home, and then you finish off with FIU and Missouri. So the middle, the meat part of that schedule for Arkansas is brutal. But imagine if they win those games. Imagine if they can compete in those games. What if Arkansas could finally do something in the SEC West? That's a huge storyline. They've got the quarterback to do it. Do they have the defense? I don't know. But they have the quarterback to do it. Does Arkansas. I talked about Mississippi State, right? And I said we're going to come back to that. We're doing it right now. Mississippi State, mark my words. All right, use this as a prediction. Mississippi State will not, I repeat, will not finish in the bottom of the SEC West. They will not be the last team in this conference. I know that's not a huge breaking news prediction, but a lot of people have Mississippi State. They're just writing them off. They're saying, you know, the program's been through too much. They're trying to change offenses. They're trying to change schemes. Uh, We just don't know what they're going to be, so let's just put them at the bottom in the SEC West and move on. Wrong. You're wrong. Mississippi State has talent. Did you forget that Will Rogers is still their quarterback? Did you forget that just because they're not going to be running an air raid offense that they're not going to put their offense around him as their quarterback? He's one of the best in the conference. He's top three, top four. They're still going to run their offense through him. And I think they have some really special players on defense. Mississippi State may not be great. Mississippi State may not make a bowl game. But they will not be the worst team in the SEC West. That will belong to Ole Miss. But look at Mississippi State's schedule. You open up with three straight home games, one including a game against Arizona. And then you get number 5 LSU at your place for an 11 a.m. kick. That's a weird game. That's a weird game in Stark Vegas at 11 a.m. with a top five team in college football coming to town. What happens if State pulls that game off? Then you go on the road to South Carolina before you come home and play, oh yeah, another top five team in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Then you have Western Michigan in there randomly in October. Good for you. On the road at Arkansas, on the road at Auburn, two tough games. Your SEC East crossover is Kentucky this year. That's kind of tough, but you're at home, and you're at Texas A&M before you end the year with Southern Miss and Ole Miss. Mississippi State, I think they could go to a bowl game. I know we hadn't quite got to the schedule game for them, but I think they beat Southeastern Louisiana. I think you beat Arizona. I think you beat Western Michigan. You beat Southern Miss. You beat Ole Miss. Then all you have to do is find a way to win a road game at A&M, Auburn, Arkansas, Carolina, or home against Bama LSU. There are wins on this schedule for Mississippi State. So as we do a little SEC preview here, I think they're going to be better than people give them credit for. Other storylines around the conference, around the SEC this year, as we get closer and closer. We've already kicked off the SEC. Vanderbilt's in first place, by the way. Go look at the standings. Vanderbilt's in first place with their touchdown victory over Hawaii. You have Florida kicking off on Thursday night. You look at the SEC East, and again, I started this whole thing with, can Georgia truly threaten to three-peat in college football? I don't know. I've seen some people say, yeah, it's a done deal. Georgia is going to win it all, and it won't even be close. I've also had people tell me that Georgia's going to have three losses this year. Where? Where in the world are they going to have three losses on this schedule? Not in the regular season by any means. 
But my big question, can somebody dethrone the king in the East, the beast of the East, if you will? Can somebody dethrone them? Can it be Tennessee? Can they put it together after having a good year? Can they avoid the letdown year that Tennessee is so good at having? Can it be Kentucky with a new quarterback from the transfer portal? Can Stoops put it all together and get that big win against the Dogs in Lexington? Can they make it happen this year? Can South Carolina pick up where they left off with Spencer Rattler after beating Tennessee and beating Clemson to end the season? Can they start off hot with a win against North Carolina? Probably the best game of opening weekend. Can somebody challenge Georgia in the SEC East? I just don't know. I don't think Georgia's unbeatable, though. I really don't. I don't think Georgia's unbeatable like they have been the last two seasons. But somebody's got to find a way in the SEC East to make this thing happen. You look on the flip side of the conference one more time. Texas A&M. Talk about a team that's got to figure it out. Talk about waiting on a team to put it together. Holy smokes. How much time are you going to give Jimbo Fisher? How much more money are you going to give Jimbo Fisher? If I was an A&M fan, I'd be over it. And they are. They're tired of it. They're ready to win and win now. And they should. They pay the most money and they get the best recruits. They got some of the best facilities in college football. And what do they have to show for it? Not a whole lot. It's now or never for Texas A&M. And I know that they're not overly confident, uh, at least it doesn't seem like it, and Connor Wegman is their starting quarterback. But Jimbo Fisher's running out of time. And in a year where Alabama is gettable, in a year that LSU has really high expectations, where if they don't meet them, a team like Texas A&M could squeeze their way to Atlanta, this is a perfect opportunity for Jimbo Fisher to finally prove himself with a new offensive coordinator in Bobby Petrino. We know how crazy weird that is. This is a really interesting year for Texas A&M because if it doesn't happen this year, I, I don't even think 8-4 and four would be good enough for A&M fans. I really don't. It wouldn't be okay enough for me. It wouldn't be good enough for me as an A&M fan. I'd be tired of going 7-5, and 8-4. and four. It's time for A&M to make it to Atlanta. So all of these storylines, right? I already mentioned Alabama's gettable. I believe that. I think Alabama's gettable in week two against Texas. I think Alabama is gettable in the meat of their SEC schedule when they have to go on the road to Starkville, when they go on the road to Texas A&M, and then they back it up with home games against Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. They're gettable in those games. They're gettable when they go on the road to Lexington. And you better believe they're going to be gettable when they make a trip across the state and come play Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium on November 25th. There's some crazy storylines in this conference. And we've talked all offseason long about what Auburn is and possibly the biggest question mark in 2023 in the SEC. Not that Auburn's going to compete for the West. Not that Auburn's going to be playing in Atlanta. But Auburn is so interesting because it could go so many ways. Auburn could go 5-7. and seven. Auburn could go 9-3. and three. Or more likely, somewhere in between. That's what makes this year in college football so interesting because the SEC, I think, is up in the air more than it's ever been. And that's what excites me about this college football season coming up in 2023. 
Vanderbilt kicked it off over the weekend. Florida gets underway on Thursday night. Missouri gets going on Thursday night as well. Then you've got all of the other games going on Saturday. Again, I think South Carolina plays the most interesting week one matchup. They've got North Carolina. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be a ton of fun played over the weekend. Then you have LSU and Florida State on Sunday night. How much fun is that game going to be as well? 334-321-1390. Any final thoughts from you as we wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line? Would love to hear from you. And uh, call in. You can uh, finish out the show with me if you'd like. We'll take our final break. Come back. Wrap it up before Bill and Dan take over for the drive. All coming up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. I appreciate you all tuning in all show long. Been a very busy show. Been a great show, though, and just excited. I hope you can hear it within me, uh, the excitement that I have for this 2023 college football season I mean it's just it's it's going to be so much fun and there's so many different storylines and highlights and things to keep an eye on um, all season long and so I'm excited that it's finally here it's finally game week and so with that here on the show today we took a look at Auburn's uh, depth chart there uh, the ones that they provided today looking at some of the guys who are projected to start on Saturday I think is a a good way to put that. Uh, guys that are projected to start on Saturday, especially at the wide receiver position, at the linebacker position. That's one that really, really caught my eye as well. The, the Jack slash linebacker, and you know they're they're always changing that position name. But Elijah McAllister, Austin Keys, Cam Riley, uh, those guys that are projected to start for Auburn on the defensive side of the football so we talked a lot about that today uh played Hugh Freeze's press conference today as well uh that he had earlier this morning his uh first one on game week for Auburn football so i uh, excited that we were able to carry that for you as well I had a couple of questions in there so uh, if you missed it and missed my questions you can catch up with that as well talk some more Auburn talked college football we also had uh a couple of great guests uh Brian from Troy Bank and Trust and Josh from uh from the Auburn Fire Department Association talking about the upcoming charity golf tournament that is uh, coming up on September 11th uh, at the Auburn University Country Club. Uh, it is the William Beekner Jr. Memorial Golf Event where all of the money goes towards scholarships for children of Lee County first responders. So um, what a great event that's going to be. They came on and talked about all of the information. If you're interested in playing in it, uh, if you're interested in sponsoring it or being a part of it, whatever it is, um, they came on and talked about that. So some great information there. And then uh, if you just missed it, I talked about pretty much all the biggest storylines in the SEC and what excites me about those. So if you missed any of that today, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it's uploaded commercial free right after every single show so be sure uh, that you go and check that out but before we get out of here and before i forget starting this week and every single monday 
throughout the fall, at least through high school football season. Uh, if we go into basketball and baseball season, we'll continue to do it as well. But our high school player of the week is back. All right, our high school player of the week is back. And uh, we have a new sponsor this year, the Orthopedic Clinic. Uh, they are the new sponsor for our high school player of the week. So this week's Orthopedic Clinic high school player of the week is Auburn High School football's Akeem Deuce White. Uh, Deuce was a part of the lockdown Tiger defense on Friday night against Hoover as the Tigers gave up just 14 points on the road against the Hoover Buccaneers there at the Hoover Met on Friday night. White had six tackles, two sacks, and an interception from the defensive line position. You don't hear about that too often. He had a he tipped it up to himself and able to make the play and get the interception as a big defensive lineman. So again, six total tackles, two sacks, and an interception for uh, Akeem Deuce White. He is your orthopedic clinic high school player of the week. The orthopedic clinic East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you on the web at theorthoclinic.com. Again, we will be doing that and highlighting that every single week throughout the fall. Uh, it will be picking players from either Auburn High School, Lee Scott Academy, or Opelika High School. So I get a nomination every single week and uh, make the pick. And again, the Orthopedic Clinic sponsoring that. So we are uh, thankful that they are doing that and excited to bring you our High School Player of the Week every single week here on ESPN 106.7 across all three of our wonderful shows and on our social medias as well. So again, congratulations to Akeem Deuce White from Auburn High school who is our orthopedic clinic high school player of the week well again if you missed any of the show today go catch up with the podcast espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast commercial free right after the show today so go check it out Hugh Freeze's press conference is in there you don't want to miss that and coming up Bill and Dan for the drive here on ESPN 1067 plus Brian Matthews joins them as he does every Monday in studio coming up tomorrow double d daryl dapperich joins us on the show we'll get his thoughts on game week for auburn football as we continue to preview the matchup between your auburn tigers and the umass minutemen until tomorrow two to four right here on espn 1067 stay safe i'll talk to you later